It's never too late to connect with your body on that level and to honor your menstrual cycle, to honor your menstruation. It's never too late. And even for the people listening who might be past their reproductive years and have entered into menopause, it's never too late to have these conversations with the young women in your lives. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. Welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. You're tuning into episode 240, and this is part of our menstruation mini series, Real Menstrual Stories. And this is episode nine of that mini series. Today, I'm joined by a beautiful friend, Chloe Skrlak. And Chloe is a full spectrum fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner. She's from Canada and is just as passionate as me when it comes to educating people from their first period to their last last periods about body literacy and understanding how to live as a cyclical woman. Now, I knew Chloe would be a wonderful person to have on the show. And this episode is all about the sacred rituals of your menstrual blood. Chloe is sharing with us her amazing journey with getting to know her menstrual blood, how she uses it at different stages and seasons of the outer world in the nature cycle, and then how she connects with it each and every cycle herself. So this is a really fantastic episode. We're talking about honoring menstruation, we're talking about rituals. We're talking about her initiation into getting her first period and how she learned that she needed to honor her menstrual blood. Chloe, welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure. And we were just chatting before we hit record. We totally love all the things around all the things that we work with, with women's health and fertility and being an educator and Thank you so much for being a fellow crusader in this industry, in the world. We, we need more women like this, right? Well, right back at you. Thank you too. Well, tell us, let's kick it off. What day of your cycle are you on today? And how are you tuning in, checking in with yourself? Mm, I'm on cycle day five. So I'm just at the very tail end of my menstruation with some very light flow and still feeling the hibernation vibes actually Mm. on cycle day five. So I'm still, I'm just noticing that my energy level is still a little bit low. Um, Really enjoying just taking a slow day and kind of just only doing what's necessary and giving myself lots of time to rest today. Mm, I like that. And I love also that you're still in your winterish vibes because you've just moved through the autumn equinox for you guys in the Northern hemisphere so it's very much like, oh, that start of extra darkness in your day has, is is arriving. And I, I can feel that that's popping up for you too. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I'm typically like someone who loves summer, both in you know the seasons of the earth, but also my own internal summer season. But I'm yep. really looking forward to the slowing down in fall. So just even, you know, in here in Canada where I'm from. So it doesn't surprise me that I'm really milking this menstruation and getting as much rest and hibernation from it as possible. I love that milking menstruation. And we totally can milk menstruation, but I also just want to give a highlight that I love that you mentioned about once upon a time, you really were like the summer chaser. And I find when people start to learn about the four phases of their cycle 
And they're like, oh, so we shouldn't really feel like we're ovulating all the time. I think it helps people realize that sometimes we don't want to chase the sun and the summer in the outer seasons around all the time either. It's okay to have a fall, an autumn, a winter, and then a spring too. So when did you start? Like this is totally off topic, but we will get into menstruation stories. But I think this is such a great avenue to explore. When did you start recognizing this? And when was your first full experience of like, oh my God, winter feels so different for me now that I get to understand the seasons? Oh, wow. What a question. For me, every season is always different. Like I feel like I have seasons in my body. I have seasons, you know, that I move through with the earth. And then I also have like life seasons. Like, do you ever just feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, this whole year feels like a summer vibe, right? So there's, for me, it's so multi-layered. So it's always really changing, but it's such a beautiful thing when one matches up with another, you know, like, right. So when you are like, for example, menstruating and it's, you know, that really snowy wintry day outside. So it's always magical when they match up. But I discovered the seasons of my cycle when I started fertility awareness charting, which is really funny because as a kid, I remember like as, as a preteen or a teen menstruating, I remember boasting to, you know, my friends and my boyfriends at the time that, that nobody could tell where I am because that I don't change and that you could never know if I was pre-menstrual or menstruating or because I, I because I didn't change versus now as you know a 35 year old I've been charting my cycle for 12 years and I relish in the change and I also relish in letting everyone else know like right like I'm menstruating we're like horizontal all day or you know I am in my you know follicular phase and I feel dreamy and to-do listy and I want to share that with everyone or if I'm ovulating and, you know, my enthusiasm and my charismatic personality shines out, you know, again, I like to share that with everybody and everybody knows. So just as my own self-reflection, it's really cool to see that shift when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was almost actually boasting the fact that I could hide myself from the world versus now that I, yeah, I relish in how I change. And I also get excited about teaching other people about their phases too. It's like when the penny drops for other people, it's like, oh, finally come to the, come to the party, come to the party of knowing about this little secret. And I get a lot of FOMO about this is that I live in a tropical location. So we don't really get, we get a winter and it gets cold, but it's still beautiful blue skies and sunny and you could still wear your bikini in the sun in the middle of the day. So I'm actually feeling really cold to have a winter experience in a real winter. So I can really go, what does it feel like to be really pulled into hibernation when it is snowing and you're forced to stay inside because of the weather? Whereas I've never had that ever in my life. So it's so interesting that you say that because I have a lot of FOMO now, whereas I used to think it was great that I didn't live in a location where it snowed and I didn't have to, I never owned boots. I never had to worry about having winter clothes. Whereas now I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go to the snow for winter. <laughs> I totally appreciate that. And and I noticed that when I start teaching this with other people too, and we start talking about the, the phases of the cycle, is we'll have conversations as well. How do you feel about the actual seasons? And do you resist when mm. winter comes? Or do you love fall and 
you know, maybe you feel uh, less excited about another season and then how that reflects back and how you feel about your own personal seasons. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, I've always wondered like people in Australia and other places that don't have such obvious, you know, four phases of the cycle. And that reminds me of the owner of Bright Girl Health. She's a teacher over in Australia and she uses the the animals, which I love, like the sloth for menstruation. I mean, sign me up. But I think it's really cool that she focuses on the different animals for each phase of the cycle instead of the seasons. Mm. It's funny because I also, Demi's a beautiful friend of mine too. And I also focus on animals, but I use the bear as the bear season, like the bear cave for like being in the inner cave for menstruation, which is so funny because there's no bears in Australia. And there are parts, I will say there are parts of Australia that do really get all four seasons. I just live in the top part, not the toppest part, but I live in a most Northern, you know, location in Australia. So it's definitely warmer and I feel very fortunate for where I live. However, at the same same time, I'm feeling this really deep, maybe ancestral calling because once upon a time, I'm not traditionally from Australia. So once upon a time, maybe I'm from Northern UK and I'm being craved and called down to have a winter or something. I'm not sure, but we'll see what happens. But let's go back to you. You mentioned that you were this person who loved just living in alignment and being the same all the time. Let's talk about your menarch. So what do you remember about this transition into menstruation and getting your first period? And you talked about being that same like kind of personality all the time. When did you realize that there was some shifts coming? So I remember my first period came a lot later. I actually can't even remember how old I was. I must've been 16. I was a lot later. Mm. I remember to the point where my mother had to take me to the doctor to make sure everything was okay. And I remember like giggling with my other girlfriends in foods class in school that I could have sex and not get pregnant because I wasn't bleeding. So I remember being real a lot later getting my, mm, my, um, my period. But when it came, I was so surprised that it lasted for five days. So nobody told me that I'm like, what? what to deal with this for like a whole week, every single month for the rest of my life. So obviously nobody had told me about menopause either because I didn't know it was going to stop. But yes, I started, I started menstruation with very little education. And it's really funny because it's one of those things where you, you know, you teach what you need. And so it's not fun. It's, you know, it's, it's not a surprise that now I'm a fertility awareness educator and I teach from your first period to your last. So that's a full spectrum fertility awareness educator I teach preteens about their first periods, which, you know, I wish I would have had a Chloe when I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old to tell me all about my body and what was going to change because I didn't know anything. And yeah, and then eventually when I I can't remember too much in the early years, except knowing that I was like that unicorn who I really never had any issues with my cycle. So it it came and again, I felt very even keel. I didn't experience a lot of ups and downs. There was no medical reason for me to be on the, the hormonal birth control pill. So other than the initial shock <laughs> that this was going to last for a few days, like five to seven days per cycle, uh, I had a pretty easy transition. I just remember seeing the blood for the very first time on my underwear and going up to my mom and being like, so this is it? Like, is this what I've been waiting for? And, and that was it. 
And, you know, it's funny, whenever I start talking about my monarchy, especially when I start sharing online, I always like get a phone call from my mom. And she's like, what do you say to the You make me sound like such a bad mom. And I, and it's, and I don't, and I love her. And she's the best mom ever. It's just, you know, she, you know, you know what you know, right? And, and that generation was not hosting period parties. You know, that generation mm-hmm. wasn't talking openly about their periods. In fact, I didn't even consider using my menstruation or I didn't even consider the sacredness of my blood until I was in my mid-20s. I was 25 when a man asked me for the very first time while I was traveling in Colombia what I did with my menstrual blood. And I'm like, put it down the drain, (laughs) right? So it's- Wash it down um, the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, wow, really? That's what you do with like your sacred moon blood. And I'm like, oh my gosh. (gasps) And so that just opened my whole, and I had been charting already for years at that point. So I already, you know, was really excited about fertility awareness and my cervical mucus. But wow, yeah, I guess it's been 10 years since that conversation in Colombia. And now, I mean, you'll see me on Instagram sharing all the ways that I use my menstrual blood. And, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. (laughs) It's so beautiful too, because it is a great demonstration for people listening that there's different layers it's kind of like that onion and Shrek, you know, like peeling back the layers is just because you know the four phases or you know your cervical mucus or you chart your BBT, that doesn't actually mean that you've got to the full extent of what you could do with your cycle and how you could deeply connect with it. And I think it just goes back to what you said really early on that you love connecting with the cycle within the seasonal cycle, and then also your life cycle. And like, you know, you're in your mother years right now, which is 25 to 50. And I think it's so beautiful to recognize that there's always another layer that we can go to. It's like running the, which is such a a North American saying, but running the four four minute mile is that no one thought that was possible and someone did it and then everybody could do it. And so I think it's just recognizing that there is always more that could be achieved or another layer that could be peeled back. My teacher Jane would say would say that another um, sheath has been revealed, and it just goes to show that there's so many more aspects that we can dive into. So tell us about your experience in Colombia, because obviously you knew your cycle so well. Then, how did this conversation come up about this man asking you about your sacred blood? Yeah, I mean, it was someone I actually met in my very first vipassana. So I had done my very first vipassana meditation while living in Colombia. And after the retreat, a few of us had actually continued to travel together afterwards. And since it it was something I was passionate about charting my menstrual cycle, I did talk about it a lot with anybody that would listen. And so, and I hadn't yet been teaching. I'd actually decided to teach fertility awareness when I had come back home from my year abroad living in Colombia, but I had been charting my own cycles for two years at that point. And yeah, I just remember we were going for a walk and and we had brought up cycles and fertility and he had asked me that question. And it's so funny, I I went home. I, so I spent the, it was, that was the end of the year too. So it was the end. And it was really funny. I've, uh, I used to call myself the cycle savvy globetrotter. So I've spent a lot of my adult life traveling abroad and talking about menstrual cycles. And when I lived in that year in Colombia, I really felt it was like a spiritual year for me. Like I had a lot of spiritual initiations that year. 
And that conversation, I would say it was a really big piece. And I had come home in December. So it was the middle of winter. winter. (laughs) And he, he had suggested instead of pouring it down the drain, this like life force, this, you know, this menstrual blood that was so sacred, instead of pouring it down the drain to mix with like pee and poo and other waste, which is something I'm always trying to reteach people is that your menstrual blood is not a waste product like urination or like our fecal matter, right? Like this is not a waste product that instead you should give it back to the earth. So I came home, but my earth is covered in feet of snow, you know? And so I'm like, well, where am I going to put it? So I started storing my menstrual blood in jars under my sink in the bathroom, which I do not recommend. Tell us more about this experience. I can't even imagine the smell of month after month of just adding more menstrual blood into the same jar. And it was, it smelled so bad. So I've learned a lot since then. And one of the things that I always encourage people to do whenever they want to use their menstrual blood is to use it as soon as possible and as fresh as possible. So I, when it is summer, again, honoring the different seasons of even the earth, when it's summer, I'm more likely to go to a special spot and bury my blood back into the earth. When it's winter and I don't have access to, you know, the outside earth, I might mix it with some water and give it to my house plants, or mm-hmm. I'll use it as a menstrual blood face mask, or I'll paint with it, or I'll bathe with it. So I've learned to do certain things with it, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, what season of life I'm in, what, you know, season I'm experiencing outside. But yeah, let me tell you. Oh, and if I don't, I'm not going to use it that day for whatever reason, I'll put it in the fridge. But yeah, storing it under my kitchen sink was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I love the passion and commitment to doing that though, because it's still the intention of doing that that's important, not the fact that it probably did not smell any good and any animals that were outside probably wanted to come in for that particular smell. But I find it so special to talk about how we can use our sacred life force, our menstrual blood, because people even don't realise, like even just the dristy point of the red mark, you know, which many men represent and use in India, but also now you just get like a little stick on, like Anneli said Velcro, but it's not Velcro. (laughs) That's a pregnancy moment for me. It is not Velcro that they put in their foreheads. It's like a little felt, little dristy point. And from what I understand that a lot of the men used to use that as a sign of their women's menstrual blood. Oh. as a representation that that's what was going on in the in the in the household and so women would do that too and i find it so fascinating that you know we've been doing that for centuries some people drink their menstrual blood or mix it with other tonics and then drink their menstrual blood this episode is proudly sponsored by Usana Health Sciences, my number one nutritional supplement choice. I've been using these products and paying to use these products for well over 10 years because their quality far exceeds the rest. Yep, they're manufactured to a pharmaceutical grading, which means they're made to the highest standards of manufacturing for nutritional products in the world. 
personally, every day I use these products, just a part of my healthy regime, just like brushing my teeth. I found their products to really be transformative for my own personal PCOS journey, keeping my skin radiant, my energy balanced and a healthy digestive system. Every day I use the prenatal cell essentials because I believe a prenatal is a foundation for all types of cycle health, not just for preconception and pregnancy, a mercury free fish oil, a probiotic to support my past leaky gut experience and of course a magnesium calcium with vitamin D. This blend is fantastic for my inner autumn and I always take a little bit more before I begin bleeding so I have a smooth transition into my next menstrual cycle. To learn more and try these products and discover them for yourself, I have a cheeky up to 20% discount for you. Head to gemmalee.usana.com to learn more and save. That's gemmalee.usana.com. I just love that there's another person out there that stores their menstrual blood in the fridge (laughs) because that's what I I also like to do and keep my menstrual blood. And something that I'll share with you, Chloe, and I think I've shared this on the show already, but because I'm pregnant currently, I've actually still got my last three bleeds in my fridge from, yeah, because I've, and like you said, painting, I want to create this beautiful picture, but I haven't had the drop in yet of what it's going to look like. And so I'm just waiting for the right moment for this vision to come in so I can take the last, they're in separate jars, they're not all in the one jar, <laughs> to, to use this to actually create a picture. And then I have the vision of placing that next to a print of my placenta and having it as like the transition between the two worlds. And it just is a great, I think, a good inspiration to hear you speak of this too, because it just like, I'm not just the woohoo person, like this is actually something that people do. So what have you done that's artistic with your menstrual blood? Well, you know, I just, I'm so inspired to share a few other stories with you because yeah, I I couldn't agree more that there's a lot of whimsical stuff that I do with my blood for sure. But again, given what season I'm at, I'm in, it can be really, really transformative and meaningful. Like I remember bathing in my menstruation for my, my last menstruation when I was about to turn 30. And that that was a really big deal for me because of how much taboo and gossip and fear mongering goes around about our fertility once we turn 30. And I had just um, broken up from a relationship that I thought was going to like go until the end. And so it was a big deal for me to move away from this person and then into the scarcity of like that. Oh my goodness. Like, am I ever going to have children or what does this mean for me that I'm leaving this so relationship? Like 30 houses possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because of, you know, what society tells you about what you should be doing as a 30 year old. And so I saved my entire menstruation over the five days, my last bleed before I turned 30 and I bathed in it and, and I put it in my bath water and I was just like this, you know, just, I'm so grateful that I don't feel in a rush with my fertility that I know I'm a healthy, fertile ovulating woman. And I don't have to live in the scarcity and that I can find my abundance and my creativity and all of this. And so there was a really big transformative moment for me. And then I also shared right before we hit record that I recently eloped. So I recently got married and I said yes and committed myself to this beautiful, wonderful man in the river Valley or the part, it's actually a ravine, but in the actual ravine, that I would go and put my menstrual blood in and bless all through these years that I've been doing it. And so in this very beautiful part, right next to the river, 
I had went the day before we were supposed to get married. And again, it was my last menstruation as a single woman. And I took my blood and I blessed the place where we committed ourselves to each other as like, okay, this is me giving myself up. You know, I'm like, I'm no longer going to be single. I'm going to be this married woman. And I'm really, you know, just blessing again, this new chapter of my life and how I do that, how I mark these momentous moments with my menstrual blood is so meaningful to me. Mm, So special because this is, I'm sure, inspiring a lot of people. Also, maybe freaking some people out, but I think inspiring in the sense of like, oh, actually, I never knew you could do that. And it's not that you have to know that you can do it, but it's trusting the intuition that guides you to like, I feel really cold to do this thing, but I don't know anyone else that's done it. Like, can I still do this? And I think it's so empowering that there's, that you're sharing these stories. So thank you for sharing all the whimsical stuff. I've just got this vision flashing before my eyes that like we reconnect. I'm nearly 37. You mentioned 35, that we, we reconnect in like 15 years to talk exactly about. So how do we stick with the mint, like the whimsical aspect of our inner winters when we're actually not menstruating anymore. And something that I encourage menopausal women to do who are entering that menopausal bracket is to like keep their blood too in the fridge, do something sacred with it, honor every single bleed. And it's something else that I love to recommend to people in the journey to conception. If it's been a longer journey than a couple of cycles is that instead of the period being the reminder that you didn't conceive, what if this was your last bleed for two years like is there a way to like just love this bleed and to thank your body for creating another opportunity for a new cycle so what's your kind of outlook on on those aspects even though I know maybe menopause isn't your personal experience obviously but I'd love to know if you've got any other little things you'd love to share about those aspects of using menstrual blood and being really sacred with it yeah well I just want to like repeat back what you said because I think that was so beautiful as somebody who's been charting for 12 years as a way to avoid pregnancy, that all of a sudden since marriage, I've been open to a pregnancy. Mm. It's been really interesting to see the shift of when I do see my menstruation as a, oh, like it's just a little bit because, you know, before it would be this huge celebration, like, oh yes, like didn't get pregnant for another cycle, right? Because that was my intention. Whereas now I notice, like I notice the shift and I notice like the disappointment. And I always just frame that time as, oh, what another opportunity to nourish myself and prepare myself for pregnancy, right? I have another opportunity. And so, yeah, even just noticing that for myself, because this is, of course, would be the first few months that I've actually been open to a pregnancy. Right. Even though I feel like I've been preparing you know, since I started Forever. charting when I was 23. Yeah. And as a full spectrum fertility awareness educator, one of the things I actually do focus on is helping people transition out of their cycles too. So especially mm. like with perimenopause, right? That up to 10 to 12 years, it's going to take for you to finish your menstruation. And I focus on that and I, I educate people on that too. And I have to say that all of the conversations I have with women who are in this phase of their reproductive cycle, typically they first feel angry. Like, why didn't I know this when I was younger? Mm-hmm. And it's an invitation, you know, in the divine timing of we get, you know, we everything comes to us when it's supposed to, but it's like, this is a great opportunity to, to now, how can you, how can you 
honor yourself, honor your blood, promote ovulation, reap all of the benefits of ovulation, you know, with these last, you know, few years, or even be a decade. And most importantly, how do you take this information and then pass it on to the younger women in your life? Right. And so it's never too late to connect with your body on that level and to honor your menstrual cycle, to honor your menstruation. It's never too late. And even for the people listening who might be past their reproductive years and have entered into menopause, it's never too late to have these conversations with the young women in your lives. Because as much as I love that my job, that my profession and passion is teaching people how to understand and chart their menstrual cycles, what really lights me up is when I hear a client say, I was just teaching this to my daughter or to my younger cousin and to have this information passed on with, with like the people we know and love that are in our families and our, el- you know, our elders and our older siblings. It's just such a magical thing. Mm. So that's why I love to share so much about, you know, my cycle and what, what I do with my menstruation is to really encourage other people to talk more about theirs. Right. Unlike my mom, for example, who, you know, didn't like talking about it at all. And that's the the great shift of the red thread. You know, the mm. lineage is that we are the change makers. And I think this is what it takes to have a healed feminine collective is that we need to kind of break away from the patriarchal that like, how many clients do you have? And I need to get more clients so that I'm as good as you at this particular profession. It's like, hang on, how can we actually work together as a collective? Because this is what the in, this is what the cycle encompasses. It's the collective of how we educate and move through the cyclical way of living together. And I love that you mentioned about menopausal women passing on the knowledge because a lot of my teachers are postmenopausal women. You know, they're in their 60s, in their early 70s. And something that's really fascinating that I love that they teach is that it is the grandmothers who teach the teenagers about their menarche. And I think there's a big divide in family structure and relationship currently and, you know, in the last few decades where there could be a really great change. So I know for us, like when you and I get to this 60-year-old bracket, like we are going to be the educators to our grandchildren. And that's where we recreate what's the way that we once always used to live in culture and community. So I love that you're sharing all of that. I look mm-hmm. forward. I'm, I actually look forward to the time when I'm menopausal, which is really crazy to say, but you know, it was actually two amazing women, Alexandra Pope and Shawnee Hugo Wurlitzer, right? When I hear them yep. talk about menopause and as, you know, graduation, it's something I look forward to and that I'm excited about. So yeah. And that's, kind of going back onto this whole theme of change and like cycles, you know, you can, there's always another lens you can zoom out and zoom out farther and just, you know, another cycle that you can appreciate and another layer that you can unpack. Totally. And I think something that I'm so like, I wish for you is the experience of pregnancy because I feel the adaption of pregnancy and not having a cycle. Like for me, being connected with my cycle for like over a decade as well, is that now that I actually don't have a period, I have FOMO about not menstruating. And like, well, what are other ways that I can honor and live in a cyclical nature with a daily rhythm of how my body feels whilst pregnant, but also in connection with the moons? 
mm-hmm. connection with the outer seasons. And so I wish for you that experience so that it's a great insight onto, oh, okay, so this is what I could do when I get to menopause or this is how I could prepare. So yeah, really great insight. And I'd love to shift gears. Like you've, we've already talked a lot about how you honor with your menstrual blood, but I think there's other ways I know that you would probably honor your bleed and honor that menstrual time. So what are your favorite ways to honor your menstrual time and connect with that sacredness of your inner winter cave? Sleep. I love sleeping. I love sleeping so much. And I give myself just, just like unabashedly amount of sleep, like just no shame. I just, I love to be vertical when I'm menstruating. It's my anti-burnout phase where I just give myself a permission slip to sleep, to like lie vertical or sorry, horizontal, whatever I might be doing. And just to go slow. Like I really like that, especially if I'm exercising, I stop exercising when I'm menstruating. I also typically the week before. So once I've confirmed ovulation, I'll have started bulk cooking, you know, soups or stews and putting them in my freezer so that I'm not cooking a lot when I'm menstruating. I could just pull it out of the freezer and spending a lot of alone time, Mm. a lot of alone time with myself. And if, you know, I want to be, if I do want to be out, I'll typically be out in nature I notice for myself in particular, I either like to be alone or just be around other women. Yeah. Oh, nice. And that's that's what I like to do. I like to do and just kind of like let go. I mean, which makes sense, right? It's we're like literally letting go of parts of our body. So just letting go of other things that don't serve me. There's actually a love a lovely little ritual that a beautiful friend I met in v- in Vietnam, Ray Dohar, taught me. And it was to write two lists and things that I thought I needed and don't, and I'm ready to let go. And then things I still need. Mm. And just to kind of take stock and do that for myself each, each menstruation. But honestly, it's a lot less doing things that I should be doing or doing and just a lot less of not doing and just being is how I feel when I menstruate. And that is also kind of doing because you're doing nothing. And I think that's <laughs> people don't realize you're allowed to do as well. Yeah, exactly. We're um, just so beautiful. And it just reminds me of, of, I guess, being halfway through my pregnancy now and being on that journey is that I feel that if women can tap into, and I felt this for a long time, but it's really instilled in me now with pregnancy. But if menstruators can connect with their menstrual time and honor that they need, that they can slow down, that they can, like you said, do bulk cooking in their autumn to prepare for their winter, if they can embrace sleep, embrace the surrender, that's going to actually improve and support their transition in pregnancy and into labor and birth and then birthing, you know, a child into the world because our menstrual cycle is the opportunity of creating that for ourselves and learning the skill of surrender to slow, to sleep, to allow, to stop. But so many people don't do that. And I think they get to their pregnancy. Oh, I've got to do all the things. And they just keep, keep going, keep going. When really, if you already had learned the skill of surrender over just three or five days, mm. it's going to support that so much. So I'm like, I wouldn't, I've thought any less of you for that particular time of your cycle, but it's a great inspiration for others in just reconfirming for them that you actually can do that. And it's okay to be more horizontal. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that. Chloe, this has been amazing. I do have 
One more podcast question for you, but before we go there, tell us how can our listeners connect with you and find all the amazing work that you're doing over there in Canada and learn more about you? Yeah. So I love to play on Instagram. So you can find me with my first and last name, Chloe Skurlack. I have my website with all of my offerings and other juicy resources at chloeskurlack.com. I also offer free complimentary consultations. If anybody wants to just chat with me for 30 minutes about their cycle, I'm a fertility awareness educator. So I teach people how to chart their menstrual cycles more than just your period, but also your cervical mucus changes, your basal body temperature changes, your cervical position changes. So yeah, pretty much you just put Chloe Skirlak into Google and you'll find me because I'm the only one in the whole world. You are. I love that. Well, okay. Final question. I'm going to pop all those links in the show notes. What are your favorite non-negotiable things to have with you when you're menstruating? Mm. My menstrual cup. Yep. I need to collect that juicy goodness. My period panties. Because when I hit my light and very light days, I don't like to have things inserted. I need to have external period products. And what a good question. A big chocolate bar of dark chocolate. 100%. I, I need that. The darker, the better. The more magnesium, the better. And my magnesium lotion. Oh, I like that. I thought you were yeah. going to be like a big, deep bath. I thought that's <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with it. And you're like, chocolate bar. Chocolate bar. I love that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm all about that magnesium. I need that magnesium. I can do, even just in that, even that I'm like making my magnesium lotion. I need my Epsom salt baths. I need my chocolate bar with the dark chocolate. So you can see how much I'm craving my magnesium um, during that time. And you've just been through your period too, being on day five today. So you're like very aware of all the things that you like to use. And I think it's the reason I'm asking this question for for all of our guests to answer at the end of the podcast for this series is that it's an insight into that you don't need all the fancy shit. Mm. Like you just need some really simplistic things that can be extra supportive during that time. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a millionaire, even though a millionaire wouldn't really get you far these days compared to like 50 years ago, but you know, you don't need lots of money to invest in having a really beautiful experience in your bleed. So I love it. Cup, panties, your period panties, you've got your big dark chocolate, the darker, the better. You've got your magnesium oil. You've got your bath salts. Fantastic. Anything else you want to add in before we wrap up? Just that one of the things I love to encourage all of um, the preteens, my period positivity workshop is to make a period box. And so mm-hmm. just fill up that period box. So the other thing that I love to put in there or I, you know, I help the littles put in there is like warm socks, like your own special fuzzy warm socks because, you know, warm feet, warm uterus, a yep. journal, a good book, jewelry that you only wear when you're menstruating to like so that you can adorn yourself and just, you know, let others know. And yeah, I hope that people are inspired to think about what are the things that they love and that they need on their period. And yeah, thank you so much for having this beautiful conversation with me. You are so worth it. It has been an absolute honor. So thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful insights and your personal experiences. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. 
I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at Wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.